Good evening. My name is Mike Murley, and I host Mike Check at 5.30 p.m. every third and fifth Sunday here on WPKN Independent Community Radio. Welcome to everyone listening at 89.5 FM on your radio dial. Welcome to everyone streaming live or tuning in to our podcast at WPKN.org. Each week on Mic Check, one of our hosts examines global, national, and regional issues and their effect on our local community. Just as the phrase Mic Check was used to mobilize people to create a human microphone during the Occupy movement and others, this weekly program seeks to amplify our community's many voices and bring them to the airwaves. Mic Check is followed on WPKN at 6 p.m. by another public affairs program, the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. Thank you for tuning in and joining us this evening. Before I begin the show tonight, I want to take a moment to remember 10 family members of a member of the community that I'm a part of here in Bridgeport, the, the Muslim community that I'm a part of right here in Bridgeport. 10 family members of someone who I know massacred by an Israeli airstrike at Al-Mahdi Hospital in Gaza earlier this week. The victims included from this one family, two doctors, Dr. Basil Mahdi and Dr. Rayad Mahdi, Dr. Rayad's wife, Iman, their daughter, Samira, a 24-year-old dentist about to get married later this month, sons Yusuf, Ahmad, and Amr, college students age 22, 21, and 19, sons Abdurrahman and Mohammed, ages 17 and 15, and daughter Mira, age 13. May God grant them the highest levels of paradise and grant their families patience, peace, and justice. My heart is heavier with every passing day for the Palestinian people who are still facing down an ongoing genocide by the state of Israel. Since October 7th, over 11,000 Palestinians have been slaughtered. Nearly half of that number have been children. Protests have swept the United States and the entire world, raising the demand of a ceasefire now to stop this unfolding genocide. To discuss this ongoing human rights catastrophe, I am honored, as always, tonight once again to be joined by Stanley Heller, Administrator for Promoting Enduring Peace, and also with Middle East Crisis Committee and the Struggle Video News. Thank you, uh, Mike. Uh, good to be here to discuss a very grim situation. I'm honored to get to have this conversation with you at this critical time. Stan, I wanted to first thank you for, for, for joining me tonight, um, for all the work that you do. And just hours ago, I know that you participated in a rally in New Haven near Yale New Haven Hospital and Yale Medical School. Can you talk about that rally? Who organized it? What they were calling for? And the significance of medical professionals lending their voices in this critical moment. So as you note, these are medical professionals who called the rally, uh, you know, doctors, nurses, uh, PAs, all kinds of people like that. Um, a lot came in white coats to denote that they were medical people. Others weren't. It was a lot of people. You know, I thought maybe 10, 15 would show up, but I would think 50 or 60 were there. And they were they were allowed to. They were not afraid uh, 
to uh, because it was a hospital area to you know keep their voices down. This is an emergency, and uh, so so they were out there on a little corner near Yale uh, New Haven Hospital's main entrance. And uh, they were talking about what was happening to medical people in inside the, the Gaza Strip. They named medical workers who were killed. They gave numbers of all these different kind of categories of uh, medical personnel who were killed. Because we should know that Israel the Israeli military has made a real target of Palestinian medical facilities with this fantastic tale that, that they are the heart of the Hamas military facilities. And so the, the, the hospitals take a terrible toll. And, and they also talked about what it was like or, or what they could imagine it was like for medical people there as they saw what was happening to their patients. How, how people were, uh, you know, had no food, had, had, didn't have proper medicine. There was no electricity. So all kinds of things are gone. Uh, this morning on Democracy Now!, they mentioned that 43 out of the 63 people on ventilators in Gaza's biggest hospital, uh, they died because there was no fuel. They couldn't make the oxygen for them. And I think many people saw those pictures of the babies who had been taken out of the incubators because they didn't have enough power to keep them going. A large number of those people have died. So the medical people on the corner there in New Haven were saying, you know, we can only imagine what the doctors and nurses there feel. You know, they know what could be done to save all these people and they're they're just dying. And... And then also suffering. They mentioned, I forget the number, but some you know estimates of thousands and thousands of, of people, kids with diarrhea because they don't have normal water, much of with which they have to buy at exorbitant rates in normal times. Now that's all cut off, and they're going to they're drinking anything, any kind of liquid, even though it may be tainted. And then of course they get the bacteria and stuff. Uh, and, and it, you know, if you have, or you or I have that thing, they say, oh, you know, drink a lot of water, take this and that medicine. You know, they have none of that. They don't have water. Uh, it's, it's horrible. And, uh, these people were not going to be silent about that. That, that was very encouraging to, to see that. You know, I, I was in Janine in 2007, and they took us uh, on a tour to the hospital. And this is during a good time, so-called. And in the baby's ward, they had incubators. I, I forget how many, but they were having two kids to an incubator. And I thought, isn't that strange? You know, and later people said, yeah, that's that certainly is not recommended, but they they didn't have the facilities to. They didn't have the money. Whatever. They didn't. They didn't even have a working ambulance when I was there in 2007. And uh, the Palestinians in Connecticut actually raised money for them to to buy an ambulance. But that's that's another story. And, you know, another thing about incubators. If you're as old as I am, you remember the war 
against Saddam Hussein when he had occupied Kuwait, his troops had occupied Kuwait. At one point, a, a tearful woman supposedly had been a nurse in a Kuwaiti hospital, talked about how the, um, the Iraqi troops came in, they, they uh, unplugged all the incubators, put all the babies down to die, and they stole all the incubators. And that was that story went all over the place and you know helped uh, helped emotionally to support the war. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it was shown to be a total lie. Anyway, going back years, but that was a lie. This is real. They they had to stop using incubators. And I'm sure they had to do it at other hospitals too. You know, they scrounge any kind of fuel they can find and and uh, it's really awful. The rally itself was organized by medical professionals. And so the spotlight, like you said, was on was on hospitals and specifically just the inhumanity of a military and a government to target hospitals with attacks, with violent attacks. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you talk about, the, you know, Israel's war on Palestinian hospitals? And can you talk about this claim that Israel has been pushing for weeks and weeks now that their reasoning for attacking hospitals and taking them over is that Hamas has been using the hospitals as military bases? How would you respond to these claims, Stan? Well, I'll correct you on one thing. It's not been weeks and weeks. It's been years. They've been talking about this stuff for years, that the hospitals are human shields for the uh, Palestinian uh, fighters, for Hamas in particular. Um, There's a Norwegian uh, doctor who's been in uh, Gaza in most of these wars, not this one. His name is Mads Gilbert. And he says it's just a total lie. He's been in Al-Shifa all over. No one restricts him. He, you know, he took pictures and video all over the place. And, uh, you know, it, it's nonsense. But they, uh, the Biden administration and Netanyahu, you know, stick with this story. And it's been shown to be a total lie in terms of, of Al-Shifa, a fraud, this has been conquered, you know, that part of Gaza City has certainly been conquered. They surrounded the place. They they went in with the troops. They've been over every inch of it. They've been interrogating people. They've been, there's reports that strip people naked. They do all kinds of terrible things there. And they found nothing. You know, the, the Israeli army, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, had this slick presentation. This is the the command center, you know, and they had an animation showing deep, deep in the earth and all these rooms. You know, if you ever saw these old James Bond movies, Dr. No, the secret hideout of the villain, amazingly equipped. And, and, and that was, they haven't found any of this stuff. And they've been in total control of this area. But it doesn't matter. They keep the same story, and so does Biden. He keeps saying they've found the command center of Hamas, a command center that was taken without any fight. There was not one bullet shot uh, from within the hospital or, or out of this uh, command center. So so they, they shift the story to some other lie. It doesn't matter to them. They just 
you know, they have one story and you think about it, you waste time on that, you investigate that, and then, then you say, that's not really true. Oh, but we, you know, this one, and then they show a hole in the ground and they say, oh, there's some weapons. I mean, they, they in the small MRI uh, room where they do the MRIs, they said they found weapons in the back of a machine. No doubt they, you know, smashed up the machine to, to get at this stuff and they found, uh, uh, you know, six or a dozen uh, AK-47s and some grenades. And we're supposed to be incredibly impressed with this. And, you know, is this part of the command center? I mean, it's such garbage. But the New York Times goes with it and, you know, just subtly says, well, they haven't, they don't have incontrovertible proof of this. They don't have any evidence of this. Haaretz, the supposed paper of record of, of Israel, you know, has shifted to other stories. All these people have been talking about command center. They go on to something else. And that's the way things go. Thank you for sharing that, Stan. As of now, do you know how many hospitals are, are still operational in Gaza? Well, nine hospitals are working out of 35, to what extent they can do things. I'm sure even those nine are, you know, severely limited in what they can do. If you don't have electricity, you know, all the major things, the machines run on electricity. So, so there's nine hospitals, but that means, uh, what is it? 26 have closed down. And Al-Shifa, which has, you know, 500 patients, thousands of people just trying to have a shelter on, on, on the grounds of the hospital. It's, it can't do much of anything. As I mentioned in my introduction earlier, Stan, you have been producing a video news program for the past 20 years called The Struggle Video News, the website for which is thestruggle.org. In your most recent episode, you interviewed someone currently in Gaza as we speak. Can you talk about that interview with Anas as well as his work in Gaza? Yes, uh, Anas is uh, a fellow. He has a law degree, but there's not much work for him. He's been able to work for a humanitarian association called Plant the Land. And what they do is they distribute uh, food, vegan food, no meat of any kind. They distribute uh, this food to, uh, you know, the needy or the most needy in Gaza City. And uh, he himself is diabetic and, and promoting enduring peace helped. Uh, he had real eye problems because of this. And they found a doctor in Egypt who was, he found a doctor in Egypt who said he could probably treat this. And uh, promoting enduring peace helped get some money together. And he was able to go out of Egypt, get the treatment, and uh, for, the, for the moment was doing better. The problem is he, he can't get insulin on a regular basis. It's hard to get, it's expensive, and so on and so forth. So uh, he's, uh, you know, he was doing relatively good. And then after uh, October 7th and then October 8th with the Israeli attack, uh, you know, we really were worried about him. He lived in North 
Gaza Strip. I mean, even further north of Gaza City. And um, he knew to leave his house. He and his uh, wife and kids left the house uh, and sought refuge here and there. I mean, going from one place to another. And they, he found out that his house was blown up in, in one of the Israeli bombardments. He ended up in a hospital, one of these hospitals that had been basically abandoned. He didn't, he didn't tell me the name of the hospital. He thought that might be dangerous. So he was there with his wife and kids. And, but there's nothing there. There's no insulin. There's no water. There's no electricity. Somehow he had um, uh, electricity enough to do uh, his cell phone. And so he could occasionally post on his Facebook page. And I happened to see him do it, you know, and it said he posted such and such two minutes ago. And I say, wow, maybe I can message him. So I messaged him and I said, this may be crazy, but could you do an interview over Facebook, you know, with over Messenger? So he said he could. So uh, we talked for uh, 20 minutes or so and, you know, told how he was living, you know, the, what the circumstances are. If you go to YouTube and search for The Struggle Video News, You'll see it in one of the more recent ones. But since that time, we've basically lost contact. And then we heard that that hospital was bombed and he left. And as he and his family were able to leave, his phone was destroyed. And uh, we've learned nothing more about him since. And that was about four or five days ago. And that's just one little story. Um, from the Gaza Strip. Well, I hope Anas is able to stay safe and I will definitely be keeping him in, in my prayers and thinking of him. Very good. In the coming days. Three days ago, Tuesday, November 14th, there was a rally at the National Mall in Washington called March for Israel. This was 10 days after the largest mobilization for Palestine in U.S. history, which took place on November 4th, also in Washington, D.C., at the March for Israel, multiple far-right-wing politicians and religious leaders took the stage, including Christian pastor John Hagee. Stan, in the many hats that you wear and all the work that you do to raise awareness and play a role in educating others about topics, you have written a book called Zionist Betrayal of Jews, which goes deeper into this phenomenon of Zionist collaboration with hateful far-right-wing forces. Can you talk a bit about your book and what you feel is important for people today who may be learning about Zionism for the first time to understand about Zionism and its history? If I could just briefly talk about Tuesday and this uh, giant rally, uh, uh, which uh, Dave Zirin, who's a sports writer, who does it from the social and political angle, he did a great article in The Nation. He called it a hate rally. And it combined all these genocide-approving politicians, and I mean, you know, top Democrats and Republicans, including all these far-right people. Mike Johnson, who's the new Speaker of the House, who wants to make this country a Christian country. You know, not, you know maybe he'll allow Jews to live here, but uh, he wants this to be a country run on what he thinks are Christian principles. And another person, uh, you mentioned John Hagee, 
who um, is a very popular minister. He has this movement. He claims he calls it's called Kufi Christians United for Israel. He claims 10 million members. Um, and he's got this theology that, uh, you know, God has this plan and it involves the Jews going to Israel. And then there's going to be Armageddon and Jesus will come back. And then they will, he will say, okay, Jews, are you going to join up with me and become Christians? And if they do, that's fine. And all those who don't get thrown to hell, like uh, with the Muslims and the non-believers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he believes, and it goes further, that Jesus will rule a completely Christian world for a thousand years. A Judenrein, as the Nazis used to say, without any Jews or Muslims or anybody else. And this is the kind of thing John Hagee looks forward to. Very controversial uh, man. Uh, back in uh, Obama's first run for president, he ran against Senator John McCain. McCain had been uh, endorsed by Hagee, but McCain then uh, renounced the endorsement because Hagee made this statement about Hitler. He basically said Hitler was sent by God. Said Hitler had a historic a mission in this end of times to get the Jews into uh, what we call Israel now, and so that all the rest could happen, the Armageddon and Jesus 1000. And you, and you can imagine a lot of Jews were unhappy with uh, uh, someone who said that Hitler was sent by God and had this uh, important role, and, and McCain, you know, renounced Iggy's support. Well, Iggy's up there on a platform on Tuesday, and this is not something that's so incredibly strange. So my book was called Zionist Betrayal of Jews from Herzl to Netanyahu. So the idea for Israel it really comes way back from 1895, uh, and they called it Zionism. As the word Zion is a long time word in Jewish religiosity. But uh, Zionism, the idea that Jews could go, should go and run to, or emigrate to uh, the Middle East to had been called Palestine for a long, long time, to go there and have it be their country, a country for the Jews, a Jewish superiority country, as we, as we know now. That really didn't go anywhere. It actually was considered a, a, a Jewish sin to, to say something like that until, uh, you know, quite recently. It was considered heresy. Anyway, in Starting 1895, this man Herzl writes the Jewish state. He gets a small movement around him. Uh, it didn't really get anywhere except among, you know, sort of wealthy people who would donate some money and they would send some settlers over there in, in the teens, the 1920s and so on. Then with the rise of Hitler, things uh, take uh, quite a different turn. And there's... Uh, more interest in the idea of a Jewish state. But if, if you look at the history, you see the people in the Zionist movement, starting with Herzl himself, 
were willing to make all kinds of deals with rightists and anti-Semites. Um, and they would say to the anti-Semites, look, you don't want the Jews in your country. Well, we don't want them there either. We want them in uh, Palestine, as they called it then. Uh, you know, get them over between the river and the sea. Uh, you help with that. And, uh, you know, we won't do anything to demand equal rights in, you know, the Tsarist Russia or in Nazi Germany or any place else. We won't bother ourselves with that. You help us, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. And so there's this really dreadful record uh, of, of people working on this project, this state project for Israel, as we call it now. And, and they would ignore real interests of living and breathing Jews all over the world. And that's the heritage of Zionism. And uh, you can sort of see it today in Netanyahu and Trump and their love affair and uh, in many, many other aspects of things. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Stan. And I wish we had more time to, to even go further and deeper into that history. But we just have a very short amount of time left. So Stan, how could our listeners learn more about your book as well as the revision that you are currently working on, in addition to the other great work that you're doing and the organizations you're with? Well, as you point out, I'm making a revision, uh, not that anything was wrong, but uh, it ended, you know, I, I published it in 2019. So here it's four years later with lots more going on. The, the stuff with Trump and the insurrection and with Elon Musk and a whole bunch of other stuff. So that'll be in the revision. Uh, if people go to stanleyheller.com, they can find stuff about it. Um, if they go to thestruggle.org, uh, in the archives, we have a section called Zionist Betrayal of Jews. And uh, they don't have to buy the book. They can read a lot of the articles that have been writing over the last decade or so. If people get five people together, I'll do a slideshow about my book. I've done that for a number of groups about the book that was published in 2019. And for video, thestrugglevideo.org, all that stuff will get to the things I've been doing. Well, I think that history and the information contained in your book is, is more important for people to understand than ever with where things are currently at. And so I thank you for the for taking that initiative to put that book together, Stan. And and I thank you for for all the the work that you've been doing for many years and for joining me tonight once again here on Mic Check. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Stan. Have a good night. You too. This has been Mike Check and I'm Mike Murley. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night at 5:30 for another episode. Next up, we have the Ralph Nader Radio Hour right here on WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport. Followed, of course, by Cool Blues and Rare Records with Al Bell. So please stay tuned for that as well. 